Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, this is Sonaldo from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. You're now listening to Burning Questions with my co-host Pross and I. If you'd like to check us out live, we stream every Wednesday over on YouTube. Just search for Fantasy Football Scout. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Burning Question series by Fantasy Football Scout. In this series, Pross and I, Sonaldo, talk about the key hot topics for the week. Pross, I memorized that actually. So it just goes to show this is a episode who knows what. But um, welcome back, Pross. I know you're uh, potting from a different location today. How are you doing and how was your weekend? Weekend was great, man. Um, yeah, we had football. We had some some games, seven games. And um, it was it was a nice one where people were divergent in their wild cards. They were divergent in their strategies. So it was nice. And for, for the listeners and viewers, this is going to be a very short one. Uh, we wanted to basically check in this week because basically Andy couldn't hold himself. He has a terrific <laughs> wild card. So we're going to be talking about what went right for his wild card. He's going to finally talk about Sun and what he really thinks about what's going on and whether Sun <laughs> is an option going forward. And w- what we'll do is we'll split the pod, right? This week we'll look at backward-looking stuff on what happened over the weekend, how the wild card draft looks or, the, or, or how your wild card eight looks. And then what we'll do next weekend is we'll, we'll do forward-looking stuff on my wildcard nine. How do we navigate the fixtures after nine, whether you're on wildcard or not? So take it away, Andy. How was your how was your wildcard? Yeah, I mean today's episode is going to be short and sweet. I, I, no, I'm not. We're not doing this pod because uh, of Suns Hall, but uh, that was a that was a game-changing kind of you know very rare type of experience because not only did uh, FPL kind of intertwine with the whole. You know, frustration with how Sun's been doing this season. So, uh, very, very special moment. I think it just reminded me of why I love football first and foremost, and uh, and secondly, why I love FPL as well. And, and the combination of my favorite player returning a 19 point haul was, uh, you know, just bliss. So uh, fantastic. And I, I and a little kickstart to my FPL campaign as well. You can see I'm a little different in mood from from last week. So. <laughs> Uh, excited to get the the campaign going but with that being said um there's still a lot of question marks you know i'm still not you know fully confident and not sun but spurs and sun and and what's going on in terms of fpl so lots to discuss lots coming up uh, before the world cup so excited to um you know uh keep keep going with you uh, pros nice nice first tell me about your thought process when paul o'keefe tweeted at 6 p.m 
that yeah. he's not in the lineup. What 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 was going in your head? Were you going to remove him? Did you ever contemplate removing, or were you like, I'm just going to trust my gut? That's that's great. You asked me that, Pros, because um, I was actually looking back at the state of mind I was in about because I think the key uh, Keith tweet came out 30 minutes prior to the deadline, right? Yeah. And so basically, yeah. for like three or four or five or you know, however many hours. I was so set on having Sessegnon and um, and Sun. I ended up getting Sun and Zuma. The if you went Sun, you're probably crazy like me, right? Because the <laughs> the right answer was KDB. I'm mean, no doubt about it. And when KDB got off to a hot start in the game week, I you know I probably texted you. I said, "Oh man, I made the wrong decision. I was too you know hard overhead. Kind of it's just like that's that's what FPL is about, right? Because we can plan and plan and plan, and then you have to make these very decisive decisions that can really alter the course of your sort of short-term kind of planning um, within 30 minutes, right? And so I think within those 30 minutes, I had about 50,000 different thoughts about, uh, you got to go KDB, you got to go Sun, you got to go KDB, you got to go Sun. And <laughs> in the end, I just, the decision I made was I'll be okay with Sun coming off the bench because... I just wanted maybe 20 or 30 minutes of of him against Leicester. And I thought that um, I maybe there's a chance KDB doesn't do anything this game, which is ridiculous thinking there. But um, look, I got, yeah. I got lucky in some ways, but I'm also happy I stuck to my guns uh, just regardless of the the news that he probably wouldn't start. Um, so that's, that's kind of what yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you remember, I also had three options, basically, whether to go Spurs and how hard I hit Spurs. And when the news came out for me personally, I my first reaction was, I don't trust this. I don't trust yeah. a lineup where um, where Sun isn't in the in the team. And I didn't trust also the fact that Sesson Young wasn't expected to start because he was widely expected to start. So yeah. I just felt this is going to get too risky. Uh, and so I ended up swerving Spurs altogether. Now, I think it worked out because KDB essentially got 10, Sun got 19. I sort of live better or sleep better knowing that I made the right decision. And I think, I think going KDB, at least for that one week was, was the right thing. But look, uh, that's what FPL is. It's not always like you said about, uh, yeah. you know, always being 100% correct. It's also going with your cut. So tell us about your wild card. Uh, you know, I think, uh, one thing that, um, I appreciate you for Pross is sort of, um, me deciding ultimately to, forego Barnes. I know people are talking about Barnes now because what we've seen from Leicester is they're, you know, shambolic defensively and just awful, but they're also pretty solid attacking wise. I mean, every single game Leicester seems to start off pretty well. And even this game state against Spurs, I, I think Leicester played much better in the first 30 minutes or, or, you know, even a little longer than that. So there is attacking potential here. We just saw how good Madison was. Um, you know, he should be in a different club uh, at the state Leicester is right now. And, you know, I don't think I would be upset with the double up with Barnes, but you can see on Twitter, you can see, you know, just in the fixture ticker, Zaha is probably going to be essential pick. Um, you know, nobody's essential, but with his fixtures from 10 to 16, um, he, he's the one, right? And uh, I don't want to miss out on um, a highly owned player plus... Uh, talisman against with penalties against so be it not great but against uh you know very good oppositions moving forward so happy with that pick um the rest of the team is set up really well you know definitely some question marks here and there you know what to do with taa what to do with um salah 
And most importantly for me, it's to not react, not to not to get too knee jerky because I think I'm well set up, but to really start planning for 13 and beyond because 13 through 16 will be where I'm going to want probably another city player where I'm going to you know, be desperate for the Liverpool players most likely. And, and so that's kind of my thinking at this point in time. Um, Pras. Yeah, yeah. What we'll do is we'll walk through your team next week as a proxy for a Game Week 8 wildcard and see how you can navigate it. Because what you don't want to do is end up with no City after 13 or you don't want no Liverpool in 12 when they're captainable. It's going to be tricky. So that's something that we'll talk about next week. So backward looking, any decisions that you regret um, going on your wildcard? Because I think, look, your midfield is pretty perfect. I mean, you've got Zaha and Madison, which are basically the two guys most midfield midfielders will have. Sorry, most wildcarders in Game Week 9 will have. You've got KDB, people have Salah. I don't think there's much in it between the two. Um, you've got Cancelo, um, Trippier, James. So I think the team is really, really well set up. And I think the differences will be pretty minor. Anything that you're thinking that you could have done differently? It's uh, I I don't think nothing stands out, which is great, right? So you can nitpick to to you know um, um, you can nitpick forever, right? For example, right, I could have gone Gaeta over Pope um, because of the fact that now I'm doubled up on Newcastle defense, but I went Zuma, and we'll talk about rolling averages in a little bit. West Ham is pretty pretty good um, in terms of defense, so he slots in nicely when Trippier has tough um, fixtures, so I don't have to you know, be so worried about that double up when that when the time comes. Um, and so maybe Patterson over Neko Williams, you know, maybe Martinelli, I was too bullish on, uh, you know, he obviously, Arsenal did well, but he wasn't as involved as I wanted him to be. So at that point in time, I'm just nitpicking. So I, I feel pretty confident moving forward with this team, to say the least. Yeah. Nice, nice. So why don't you tell everyone about your infamous and sun <laughs> section yeah, because in the last yeah. video you yeah. didn't talk about it and a lot of people were like had you talked about it maybe we would have picked sun so <laughs> go on then this is your time tell us about what's happening with sun is he a pick going forward or not yeah i think um it's very important to to note that i don't think he's he's an essential pick or what's the right word he's i wouldn't be confident saying he's the pick right now and i'll give sort of you know, arguments to both sides, but essentially fantastic hat trick, right? Um, 13 minute, 13 minute, 21 seconds. You know, uh, I think the first hat trick off the bench in about seven years. So in- incredible. But Conte has not, has a lot of questions to answer. And there's a lot of um, questions that haven't been answered, even with this hat trick against Leicester City. The key word here is that this hat trick happened in a three-five-two, and we've talked about this on, on the pod pros where Richarlison was brought in to play in the three-four-three. We really don't think that Conte is going to change from the three-four-three, and one of the big reasons is they don't have a regista, right? And a regista is someone like a Perlo, Jorginho, Chabi Alonso, the guy who can you know sit right in front of the defense and spread balls across the pitch. And Conte has mentioned this in the past where um, uh, uh, Brozovic, for example, at Inter Milan, he, he he literally said in an interview, I need a quality pivot player like Brozovic in order for me to play this 3-5-2. 
Also, the 352 worked at Inter Milan because they sort of had a, a big and small combination, which is why I thought Kane and Son would work. Um, but they don't have a register and they don't have a Hakimi type right wing back at this moment in time. Um, so I do not think they're going to, he's going to re- revert back to the 352. I still think he's going to play the 343. And it's really sad because, um, you, you know, a 352 is ideal, ideal for Son, right? He needs that space. And you saw it. As soon as they changed it up, they, they did really well. So if um, if you look at this, ta- you know, sort of football map that I've showed up here, this is how they build up Spurs, right? They have their two wing backs push up and they have your three attackers. And they're basically building up with a 3-2 with the two pivots in um, Hoiberg and uh, Bentakor right in front of the three defense, right? The issue here is that there's so much space between these two in the pivot and all the way, you know, all the attackers up top that they struggle to build up. So what happens is, what happens is Sun, Kane, and, um, you know, Richarlison, Kulicheski have to come down and receive the ball. Then by the time they come up and come down to get the ball, everyone's read the game already. The defense is coming down to, to man mark them. And so basically they're struggling to build up from the middle. And then a lot of times you'll see them sit back deep and they have like nine or ten men. It's very interesting. In the last few games, I've seen this happen where Spurs are sitting back super deep. And so they have so much of the pitch to move up forward to, which is why they're struggling to build up. And then, you know, this is a prime example of what they look like when they when they sit back. And so in this map, you can see a what a 3-5-2 looks like and what the register role does. And as you can see in this 3-5-2, this allows Sun and Kane up top to really excel in what they do best, which is, you know, stay up and have all the space in the world and, and combine really well. So this is a heat map of what Sun looked like in a 3-4-3. For, granted, it was just 10 minutes. And this is what heat map of what Sun looks like in a 3-5-2. Granted, you know, there's so many things a factor here, right? Game state, um, this and that, right? And, you know, I'm... I mean, Leicester had given up, essentially. Exactly. I mean, they were like, they were mm-hmm. not even tracking back. So basically, mm-hmm. I mean, even for the two goals out of the three goals, he could have easily passed to Kane and it would have been a tap-in. Yeah, yeah. So he it didn't need to be a worldly at all. Uh, but, you know, uh, I guess game state, it does matter. But uh, that's what you get for... You know the, what we say: uh, your your Salah against tired legs. It was Sun against tired legs this time. Exactly against tired legs. So, and, and uh, you're right. He came into the game not looking to pass. Uh, you know that last the the third goal. He should have passed to Kane 100. Um, uh, but I think his mood was just like I I need to prove doubters wrong. I need to you know he's like a wounded animal right now, right? That I think that's the right. Phrase. I've never seen him like that. Have yep. you seen him like that for Korea or you know? Anywhere no, else? No, no, no. You know, like the first goal celebration was also, it wasn't like, it was like joy, but it was a relief almost, right? He almost kind of like looked at the ground and, and it was very interesting. I, I think, um, I think it goes to show his mentality is very strong, but he's also, you know, is also a human, right? He, like it, it's a, a prideful thing to be, um, sort of alongside Kane and then, and then be benched because he's not performing well. So, Conte has a tricky matter up, up his sleeve because one side of the coin is, oh, I have this superstar of a player that maybe once in a while I can rest and have, have him come in as a impact bench player. But you also don't want to do that to your, you know, best, second best player in the team who 
who you need goals from, right? And I, I, the next section, I quickly speaking, pros is I need I need to explain to you that I, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Sun and Perisic have to work together in order for Spurs to, to get to the next level. You have your best wing back in Perisic, and you have your best goal scorer besides Harry Kane in Sun. And we already know what Spurs are capable of with Sun and and Kane, but they have a limit to how far they can reach with that combination and and just that attacking pattern of play. Right? They relied on them them too for the last few seasons. So for them to level up is you not only need that, but you also need Perisic, Richarlison, Kulichevsky, you know, whoever your you know right wing back besides Royal is going to be to to really start stepping up and performing and and have you know two three different uh, attacking patterns essentially uh, moving forward. So I, I'm very interested to see how this story develops. But basically, you can see that. Perisic takes up the space that Sun's supposed to occupy when he makes those runs behind. As you can see in this uh, photo here. Whereas when Perisic pulls wide, this allows uh, Sun to make those spaces uh, in the circle uh, there. And a lot of times, uh, Sessegnon is very good at this. He'll he'll pull out really wide and, and create space for Sun. And this is fine, right? Because Perisic also does pull out wide. But what's happening right now is that Perisic has become a crossing machine. And he's always looking for... You know, when Kulicheski was benched the last three games, I think there's a reason to it. It was for Richarlison to come in because Kane and Richarlison are getting these crosses from Perisic from the far post. This is just like and the thing you keep seeing. The quality of crosses is so incredible that they'll just keep he'll just keep crossing across the channel to, to the far post. And he'll cut back very little to Sun. And I'm not saying this as a biased Sun fan. This is just me observing... Why is he not cutting back? Why is he not giving the ball to Sun? Uh, and and so this was happening a lot. And for this to balance out, that means that on the right side, Royale needs to be doing the same thing. Royale needs to be able to cross into the op- opposite end where Kulichevsky is and also Perisic is because he's also also very good with, with the ball in the air and, and with his head, right? But, Royale but Sun is- isn't, right? Sun isn't that great no. as a header. No, so that's why mm-hmm. he can't cross the ball for... I mean, basically, I'm trying to mirror what Richarlison would do for Perisic versus what Sun would do for... So it doesn't quite work. Maybe, yeah. which is why when Perisic was playing on the right side, he dropped Sun mm-hmm. and he started Richarlison on the other side where Kulusevsky was on this side. So maybe we're trying to kind of get into how this will work. But what I want to get now is mm-hmm. where does it go from here? Yep, I mean, yep. it's not like Perisic is going to get dropped. Uh, did you see how Rich Allison was sulking when he was taking getting subbed off for, for Sun? I mean, even then, can you imagine? Like, yeah. you know, he's not going to go away. Kulusevsky is not going to no. go away. So what does it mean yeah. for his minutes? Yeah, so it just goes to show that when Richarlison started on the left, he struggled a lot, right? And Sun has struggled in that starting position as well because essentially that left role is their man mark throughout the game. They're, they're, a lot of times they're taken out of the game and same thing happened with Richarlison. Um, and so... Moving forward, I don't think Sun loses his spot, right? He's going to continue to start, in, in my you know opinion. Obviously, he'll continue. But we're talking whether yeah. he gets reliably five starts out of five or is it now basically become four out of five? I think That's what we're I saying. I think it's five out of five, but I think his minutes are reduced. I think it's still Kulichevsky and Richarlison on the right um, fighting for it. Perisic on the right just didn't work. It, it just didn't work partially because Sanchez started and not Romero. So maybe that dynamic switches things up. But I yeah. think that Perisic will continue to start on the left. Um, and eventually, Conte has to figure out this puzzle between Sun and Perisic. But basically... 
both of them are making these inside runs and they're they're just like they're just unable to combine together but you know what Perisic got that yellow card after Sun scored um because he came into the to the pitch after he got yeah, sent yeah, off yeah. to celebrate <laughs> So it just goes to show that like he also wants to make this work and and I think there's that frustration factor between those two. So we'll see we'll see how this develops, but for now, uh I think Sun is a good pick because he's had every season he's had slumps where he doesn't score for 5, 6, 7, 8 games even and then he'll go on to score probably, you know, 20, 30 something goals total for the season. So it's there. He's a streaky player. I I'm the first to admit it and Arsenal is just the perfect perfect matchup for him because that's that's where you know he's going to attack on the counter he's ha- has a very good record against arsenal but i do proceed with caution because arsenal have also leveled up right they've 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 stepped up from what they were last year and um you know they they had a heartbreaking loss to spurs at the end of last season where you know it kind of spiraled down to um, not making it to the top four. So this is going to be a revenge match for, for the Gunners. So I'm very interested to see how he does. think it's going to be cagey, but I don't think it's a bad matchup for him. But moving forward, we need more data. And I would not confidently say bring in Sun at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think uh, the, the best quote for everyone listening is, Andy thinks Sun is a good pick. So there you go. Breaking actually, news. Uh, yeah, I, I went on there, but um, I have more stuff. It's just uh, basically we need more data. We we need to see how this Conte formation and everything folds out to be uh, for us to assess all. So these for assets. your own personal team, mm-hmm. um, for your own personal team, you're happy you're going to keep him. No KDB, no Salah, right? For the moment. No, the the only thing I'm thinking about Salah, but um, probably not. Probably it just doesn't make sense for for me to go to Salah for just one game. Um, Unless I decide, to, you know, obviously I could captain him, make sense, but um, it's a tough one. I mean, I you wouldn't know. go just one game. I mean, would you just yeah. go Salah one game and bring him out again? Probably not. I, I I probably keep him, but why I say it's one game is because it's um, I'm looking mainly at that fixture to captain him, and then, um, and then I, you know, I just continue to have him until I guess game week thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Anything else on your wildcard? Um, Today there was some news that Isak mm-hmm. may have a niggle, but that sounds like it's an international break injury, so nothing to worry about. Sounds like it's just precautionary. But this is the problem with international breaks. So you sort of are crossing fingers that uh, your players come back healthy. I wish that that is the case. So, <laughs> yeah. A um, couple things. Uh, Jesus, obviously, on um, four yellow cards, right, Pross? And then... Uh, who's the other player um, you mentioned? So of the of the popular picks, Jesus and Gordon are Gordon, the ones yeah. on four yellow cards, and that continues until uh, game week nineteen. So there's a lot of time. Uh, I feel like there will be a point where one of them is getting suspended. But I always caution at this point the Diego Costa story. Yep. For those who didn't play then, he was on four yellow cards for about six, seven, eight game weeks. He kept scoring every week, and nobody got him because everybody thought he's on four yellow cards. So it's good to know. But it's not a reason not to go for somebody. Uh, I agree that it can be a little bit painful if you're relying on that player. Uh, He's already blanking in game week 11. Uh, So just, you know, watch out for that. This podcast is sponsored by Paramount Plus, where Champions League soccer is back. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts on September the 6th with the biggest stars and top teams across Europe. 
Watch every match from the group stage through to the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against the likes of Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more. Don't miss a single second with Paramount Plus starting from September the 6th. Yep. Um, nothing else. I guess I have a question for you is um, what do you think about Martinelli? Um, oh, it's a... Uh... Next it's week, a, next week? Uh, it's a it's a topic for next week. But look, gotcha. uh, I think he's 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 great. Arsenal looking great. He's nailed. Um, but I feel like the six to eight million category has got a lot of players. <laughs> so in my wild card, it'll come down to who do I want to have who doesn't blank versus a player like Martinelli who does blank uh, and plays Liverpool. So I don't want to say I'm definitely off Martinelli. I'm looking at ways to have him. But if I'm given a choice, who do I want to keep between Cancelo and Martinelli? Definitely, I think it's Cancelo who I want to keep because you have to look at the opportunity of how hard is it to get to the player. Getting to a Cancelo, if you have got a basically a cheaper defender as your fourth defender, is very, very hard. Getting to a Martinelli when you have Zaha, Madison, any other midfielder is very, very easy. So I look at it as who can I jump on easily after the blank? And I think Martinelli, no problem, but it could be that Cancelo could be a problem if Trent is doing well, if James is doing terrifically under Potter, uh, you know, Trippier is doing fine. So I wouldn't have the funds to go to a Cancelo that easily. So that's the thinking why I'm talking about no Martinelli. It's got nothing to do with Martinelli. The guy has been really great. In fact, I am a big proponent of Martinelli because back in last season's wildcard, which was game week 26, I had Martinelli and I haven't sold him since. And I've had him basically... I haven't started him every week, obviously, but... I just feel for his price, um, you know, he's, he's great. Pras, I can, I can hear it in your voice. You're itching, itching for, for next week to come. Cause, uh, you sound very <laughs> excited about your wild card and I'm very excited. to nah, hear about it's, your. It's nothing, nothing uh, earth shattering. Um, you know, the thing is with the wild card, those who are tinkering, I, I get really irritated by seeing comments of, and it's from both sides, right? Wildcard mm-hmm. eight people will go, Oh, look, Wildcard nine is exactly like my team. Look how smart I am because I picked the perfect team. And then Wildcard nine guys will go, oh, I'm going to pick a different team just because I want to be different from Wildcard eight. Forget about that. Yeah. You need to get that out of your head. Wildcard eight had a lot of advantages. A lot of people were basically forced into wildcarding. So anyway, you didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. If you made the right calls, I saw wildcard teams that got 55 points or 52 points. I saw wildcard teams that got 75 points. So it really wasn't a no-brainer to pick the right players. Some people didn't go KDB. Uh, some people went Kane. Some people didn't have, uh, for example, um, he, they had Bowen, not a Madison. So now that they're looking to get a Madison, they don't have a Zaha already in place. So there were a lot of things that didn't work in some drafts like Emerson they had starting yeah. but Emerson is now not going to be a reliable player going forward Nico Williams has shown that he's lost set pieces and you know Nottingham Forest are not looking great so these are some popular picks that I would say are looking a little bit shaky yeah. but this will happen in any wildcard so game week nine wildcarders will make their own new mistakes so let's not go into this mentality of this versus this in fact when I'll talk about game week nine wildcard you have to tell me if I'm getting into this mindset of I'm trying yeah, to be yeah. different for the sake of being different. I, I totally and, get you. Yeah, I have yeah. Qu- I have a question for you though. Um, game week eight wild card and game week nine wild card is very close to each other. Granted, there's the international break, but you think if you think about last season, there was the game week twenty six wild card, and then which was I think very popular, right? And then there was the game week sort of let's say thirty four, thirty five wild card as well. 
And the way to compare it was sort of game week 26 to game week 30, how, you know, how well was that wildcard set up? And then, you know, game week 34 to game week 38, how, you know, you compare those kind of groups of four game weeks to, to see, you know, if anything, compare those wildcards. But for a situation like this, is it, you know, very hard to really distinguish between um, what game weeks you're looking at? And, and as you mentioned, is it, is it more just getting more information and, and obviously team dependent on whether you pulled the trigger or not? And, of, uh, and also a lot of non wildcarders did really well, um, this game week as well. So how, how do you assess this, um, game week eight to game week nine if, if you had to? Yeah. So again, at the risk of essentially just saying five minutes ago that you shouldn't compare the two and go eight versus yeah, nine. Yeah. Look, firstly, second wildcard is always a strategic wildcard. It's a wildcard where you play in conjunction with your free hit or you in, in conjunction with a double game week or a bench boost. So it's a completely different strategy. So you mm-hmm. cannot compare second wildcard to the first wildcard. The first wildcard is supposed to be essentially how you can navigate. Now, in this case, some of the blanks. So some people basically played it because they were putting out six players in game week eight. So some people are now using it like myself to get ahead of the, the group for the game week 11 blank. Uh, or the tougher fixtures because between game week nine and game week 12, essentially Arsenal play uh, Liverpool, Liverpool play Arsenal, Man City, Man City play, uh, you know, Liverpool. So it's, it's, it's a very tricky phase where the big teams play each other. Um, and so that's something that you can navigate with your wildcard, but the value of the first wildcard is really low. We're trying to play up in our heads how big the wildcard is. Because of the fact that in game week 16, it's again reset, right? So if you're making mistakes, like people who went Emerson um, in game week seven, in game week eight wildcard, not a big deal because you can get someone else in your game week 16 wildcard. So you'll have unlimited transfers again. Normally, game week one, the first wildcard is very important because that takes you right until game week 30, 36 even. So it has tremendous value. But I think at this point, uh, I remember Sertal... You mean, you, mean some... game week t- you mean the second wildcard, not the first? Yes, so the second okay. wildcard has, has a lot of value. value. The first yeah. wildcard does, yeah, yeah. The first one doesn't have any uh, value for me. Go ahead, you, you remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was going to say from uh, Sir Tab's pod, which is uh, which is the one he does, and he he talked about the fact that this wildcard will probably have just about ten points of value. <laughs> so let's not overplay it. Let's just sort of get a good team that you can navigate the blanks with, and that should be good. Very very interesting. I I didn't. Um... I didn't realize this. I didn't realize the the second wild card had much more tremendous value than the first wild card. Um, so uh, very interesting to to learn something new here. But um, also my my question to you, I, I, I guess while we're on this meta talk, not not really a question, but I think it's important for us to say, Pros, that a lot of managers might be feeling down, and and this is the highs and lows of FPL, and you know a lot of people might. You know, are worried about their two million, three million, four, five million rank, right? Um, and it's not because you're a bad manager. It's not because you know uh, you're making the wrong decisions. It, these are just things happen. But I just want to say that the point skew between, um, I think million and two million is just nineteen points right now, and uh, between hundred k and one million is also very close. And same thing with two million, three million. Everything is super bunched up yet, which is why we keep saying rank is irrelevant. Why we don't have our ranks up here yet. And uh, and so just a just a word of you know easy for me to say after a good week, but I just want to keep saying that keep chug- chugging along. This is a marathon. This is not something you you can you know recover in one game week by going super maverick. Um, you just have to sort sort of keep up and and. 
we're going to have massive doubles coming up and and those those are the times where you can really make up ground and as you as you mentioned also the second wild card has tremendous value so um you know i think it's important to keep tugging along and and see see where where that can get you plus we have another wild card after the world cup so very interesting dynamics coming up this year yep okay by the way to to elaborate a certain type spot is called FTP, fpl optimized just to correctly give him a shout out yep uh, great guy as well so shout out um fpl optimized also now we have the rolling averages from fpl chase uh chase obviously uh, has appeared on our pod multiple times uh, in terms of his charts. Just uh, such a beautiful chart and easy to understand, easy to read. Um, you know, you just have to look through it a couple times to to really see what's going on. Um, you know, just right off the top of the bat, uh, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham. Uh, this is 10-game rolling averages So um, for XG. So this, these are attacking stats for 10-game bunches, 10-game um, groups. Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham up top. You can see Newcastle trending really well and, and very high XG, Team XG, 1.5, 1.6 in August and uh, September. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good indication of a, a very strong team now and a strong team since Eddie Howe has taken the reins, uh, since they've, you know, have had a lot of money and, and this and that. Um, Chelsea obviously trending down, um, but there's m- multiple factors to it. New, manage, new management, uh, Abramovich issue, you know, uh, new owners, blah, blah, blah. So um, anything that stands out to you in particular here um, for the XG in, in terms of rolling averages? So first thing to say is there's no promoted teams here because they haven't played 10 games so far. Um, so that's that's one thing to point out. So the numbers generally look better for everybody because there's three uh, – sorry, they, they generally look worse. So, you know, there are three worse teams than Southampton, for example. Um the other thing to say is, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is to basically a lot of people talk about data uh, picking, right? I mean, they will somebody will put out a stat in the last seven games, uh, no player has scored more points than X, which is so random because you're just <laughs> picking seven because that player hauled seven game weeks ago. So this helps because there is no sampling going on here. This is just ten game weeks every month at the end of every month, and so this helps you look at the trend or where the teams are going. So. Man City, I think nothing to say. Best team in the league in terms of attack. Uh, and this sort of tells you that when you have a nailed striker for that team, you captain the striker. Uh, as long as you think the striker <laughs> is starting. So whenever you're going against that, you know that this is, you know, you're, you're taking on the crowd because it is the natural pick. Uh, Liverpool, so I think this was an interesting one. So Liverpool, yep. of course, um, over the last, I would say, six, seven months, eight months even, have been around 2XG. So there's nothing here to suggest that this season there's been a drop-off in terms of attacking stats. Now, I caution that this includes the Bournemouth game and that sort of always brings up the numbers a little bit. So if you were to adjust for that, maybe it's a drop-off to 1.7, 1.8. I'm just sort of just very roughly thinking. But that's equivalent to how they were performing at the end of last season. So from a Liverpool perspective, you would think that there's nothing fundamentally wrong. Thiago would be back, so the team should look to do better in attack. Spurs are continuing to do better under Conte this we saw. I mean, look at that. I mean, a year ago, they used to be a 1XG team and now they're close to a 1.6XG <laughs> team, which is very, very good. Uh, you already talked about Newcastle, uh, who are at, as attacking as an Arsenal, which is very impressive because Arsenal themselves are, are looking great. Uh, and Arsenal's XG this season is slightly up simply also because of their good fixtures. I mean, the team is looking great, but 
you know fixtures do play a part in in how that is coming through uh i think brighton you have to figure out what you're looking at because it's a new manager you you wanted to say something about the new manager as well right uh, apparently apparently um juventus wanted to sign him as well which shows his quality and also i'm i'm reading about him and and it seems like he's a very attack minded manager so right off the bat very position based attack minded yeah it, i mean right off the bat it makes you think um, that sure they're going to be more attacking but also maybe defensively weaker but again we just don't know uh, this is something you shouldn't assess based off you know what this type of manager is we have to see how uh, this actually plays out and I think ideally in the first few games they're not going to change much I don't think they even though they have international break um, why why fix something that's not broken so um, I'm very interested to see how this uh, story develops granted their fixtures are yeah. not great so we're not going to be owning them anyway yeah yeah i mean one interesting part about the postponements in game week 7 uh, and some teams missing out in game week 8 is that they will have a month off so these guys won't have a month off with their manager but teams like crystal palace will have a complete one month to sort of reset whether they're looking poor defensively or some of the tactical elements of the team so it's almost like you may even say they would be rusty in their first game but then i think over over time they'll be rested so you can expect a stronger second half of this first half before the world cup so that's that's about it in terms of disappointments i think chelsea is a big disappointment but we already knew that uh, there's a reason then now they have a new manager so it's almost like a clean slate again on how chelsea will look i would almost say that you can take a brighton xg as a proxy for a chelsea xg so therefore you would expect an attacking improvement for sure um man united again open sl- uh, you know fresh slate Leicester we keep talking about Leicester being a good team but over the last 5 months they've been a pretty much middling one xg team that is nothing to write home about it's 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 good but it may not be vardy 9 million worth good uh, maybe a madison worth good because of the fixtures but they're not a long term pick team change of manager of course things can change but that's where we are with Leicester so i would again back to our conversation on doubling up with barnes and madison if you're doing it very specifically temporarily okay but it's not a long term viable Over average yep yep but granted yeah. even if it's 1.1 xg we know where the goal and assist is usually likely to come from for a team like Leicester so mm. yeah yeah so that was it i think nothing else to say here i i, I would be curious to see how bournemouth nottingham forest and, and others come in they will come in next month because they will be once the october uh, month data is uploaded but uh, i think for now this is just a nice trending for people to see it it sorts of any noises as i mentioned so let's go to xg conceded cool yep so we have the xg conceded out here um for those that may be unfamiliar it's um uh, xg conceded basically a good indication of defensive team stats so um first thing that stands out to me is west ham and how high they are um so talk to me about west ham why Um, are you surprised to see them so high up in very surprised mm. very surprised i mean point eight actually conceded is fairly you know very good so um and I, it's not even the fixtures because they've had difficult fixtures going into the season i mean i don't know if it's a case of david moyes sort of changing the way they work maybe that has had an impact on bowen as well from an attacking perspective because if you look at the attacking data for west ham on the previous yeah. slide yeah. they're bottom four yeah. of course yeah. there's no promoted teams here but yeah so they've almost gone back to i mean those who watched premier league 10 years ago uh, even longer there was a david moyes everton philosophy where the those teams were very very solid but could you know were good for a goal in the game so he used to be a solid manager there's a reason why man united picked him as sir alex ferguson's successor mm. so 
for me, he's always been a defense first manager. It's it's for the first time showing up. So people who've got Emerson, Zuma, Sufail, I think they're shrewd picks. Now, the only issue with West Ham, as we've talked about uh, in the past, is that their fixture in game week 11 is Liverpool. And that's the one week where you'll definitely need them because both Man City and Arsenal black. That is the only issue with a West Ham defender. But I think as a standalone pick, it's it's a very good one. Um, uh, you mean blank is game week 12, Bros? Uh, game week 12, fine, yeah. yeah. Okay. 11 is the Liverpool Man City game. Uh, West Ham, yeah. Okay, got you. Um, okay, I mean, teams to target um, by looking at this. Um, Everton, obviously, at the at way bottom there. Leeds is there. Um, Again, no no promoted mm-hmm. teams, but mm-hmm. Everton is a strange one because if you look at the the team playing, this is where eye test and data sometimes doesn't match, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Everton with Tarkovsky, with, uh, with Cody, if you look at how they played against West Ham, how they defended against Liverpool, they look solid. They yep. look like it's a team that's figured it out or at least getting better in the way they defend. They look bottom here, so I don't really know what to say on Everton. <laughs> a, uh, as you say that, I'm looking at it's 1.4 and <laughs> the bottom that looks right, terrible. So, that looks terrible. Um, yeah. look, w- one argument is even though they're conceding the XG, Pickford has been really good in goal uh, and yeah. a lot of the XG has been built up by shots from outside the box and Pickford has been saving them, but a pure purist... Analytics FC will tell you it doesn't matter if you're accumulating XG, if it's through 100 shots outside the box and they're all 0.1 XG, then you still expect to score one out of those 10 shots. So it doesn't matter how the XG is accumulated. It is being accumulated. So it's one to watch. I don't think people should dive into a Patterson that easily. I mean, of course, for price, you could, but uh, or Pickford. But uh, yeah, it's a worry. I think other than that, teams to target the three promoted teams that you don't even see here. Yeah, also um, a moment of applause for those who brought in Luca Dean, um, Aston Villa at the bottom there, 1.5, 1.2 XGC. And, you know, he came out finally with a decent, I think, seven or eight pointer. So maybe even nine. He was in a free hit draft. You remember last week? Yeah. So we backed him to do well. But uh... I considered him for a bit, but he's just too expensive um, for the, the system I had in my team or formation I had in my team. So and now he's injured. He's injured again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got. Uh, he's he's actually broken. Uh, he's fractured a bone or something. Oh my goodness! So yeah, wow. it's not great. If you owned him, yeah. it's not. It's you're, you're back to Dean <laughs> trolling you. But I don't want to. Sort of the guy's injured, so we shouldn't make fun of. Him. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah. But that is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then Leicester. So Leicester stood out here. So Leicester are not even in the top bottom six. So we're talking about Leicester being really terrible, but. They've had, I think, 10 or 11 XG conceded this this season so far, but they've conceded 23-odd goals. So you could argue, like Andy actually tweeted, Andy, let's talk FPL, that uh, you could argue that they've been a little bit unlucky or the goalkeeper has been terrible, and maybe it's a combination of the two. But, yeah, I'm I'm not ruling out a Warden-Iverson double-up in goal. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not ruling it out. I think that's, that's really it. I don't yeah. think... I mean couple of comments uh, on the promoted side. So Bournemouth actually don't look too bad after Parker has left. So Scott Parker has typically been a little bit more, I don't want to say uh, attacking, but he was, you know, he's not a great defensive coach. So it looks a little bit better 
uh, in the new setup. Uh, so Bournemouth against Newcastle, for example, I mean, they shut them out pretty well. I don't think Isak had much to do apart from the penalty. So that's one to watch out for that, you know, maybe Bournemouth isn't the team to target, but definitely Leicester, definitely Forest, and to a certain extent Fulham. And Bournemouth are there. But don't just sort of be convinced that it's the same Bournemouth that lost 9-0 to Liverpool. I actually think Scott Parker is more defensive of a coach and more, much more conser- conservative. Just not to, very good. Just not very good. It just and, wasn't very good. But at the same time, like, you know, I saw Solanke in your draft last week and I'm uh, just not convinced I would want to go there, especially with the the presence of different uh, attacking assets or striker assets that are emerging. And uh, Like yeah. who? Like who? Who's your third striker after Mitrovic or Haller? Um... Who's a popular guy? Everyone keeps talking about four three three. I want to go four three three. Tony, 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 Tony. Tony, look at his fixtures. I mean, fine, he's got great, uh, a really good accumulated XG over the first seven game weeks, but I don't love his fixtures going forward. Okay. Uh, apart okay. from the one in game week nine. So then who? Uh, I mean, unless you go I, Kane up top. Uh huh. Yeah, Kane, I guess. But I, I, I guess Solanke is an option because of the the great fixture run from here on out. Um. But so you you'd have to start him every week, correct? No, no, of course not. Oh, he would okay. be my first bench. He would only come on game week eleven and twelve, oh, where okay, I would okay. maybe bench Cancelo mm. uh, and Haaland, and of course in an emergency uh, if needed. But he's not he's not a starter. That I agree with. Okay, then that that's a game changer. I thought he's he's in your team to start every week, but I think he's what five point seven. So yeah, I guess if yeah. you can afford him as a bench member, and um, yes, I, I copyright. Um, uh, Baker, I, I don't want to go over this because I listen to his pod every you know Monday or, or Sunday whenever it comes out, and um, sometimes you hear things and it kind of leaks out. And also, shout out to Adam who uh, gave me a shout out on his pod um, about uh, uh, Sun, and uh, also he he took the points as well. So um, um, cheers to that! Yeah, only crazy madmen like you and Adam. <laughs> Very happy about it. Nice. Okay, I think uh, 45 minutes, Pross, so that should be good. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, all set up for next week. Uh, I'll have my wildcard draft to discuss. We will discuss your team a little bit more in detail in terms of how to navigate 11 and 12 so people mm-hmm. can get an idea for their teams. Um, but yeah, let's get back to the break. Yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, please do check out FPL Chase on Twitter with these uh, fantastic graphs and charts. So thank you for that. Uh, it was a pleasure catching up with you this week, and we will be back next week with process game week nine wildcard while also um, talking about hot topics prior to the return of FPL. So enjoy the break, you know, take your mind off FPL, but just remember Sonny had a 19 point haul, uh, and we'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye.